You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Hello and welcome to the West End Frame Show, putting theatre in the frame and keeping you up to date with everything going on in the West End and beyond. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and I have an amazing co-host with me today. He's a theatre director and I've been very lucky to see lots of his productions over the years. Just a few of his shows have included Just So at the Barn Theatre, the UK, an international tour of Madagascar, the musical, uh, the German premiere of the last five years, Zeusical at the Arts, I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, also at the Arts. I love that production. Um, as well as lots of shows at the Union Theatre. Uh, I think my favourites being The World Goes Round and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. He's also worked extensively at the UK's leading drama schools and he's been very busy during lockdown. Firstly, he was hosting some Q&As on Instagram and now he is directing Intermissions, a musical theatre show which is being broadcast weekly live from Alice Fern's Garden. <laughs> Welcome to the West Dead Frame Show, Kirk Jameson. Hello, hello. Gosh, what an introduction. That was lovely. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing? Because you're obviously crazy times, but you must be on some sort of high still from Friday from the first intermission show because you were live and it was a massive, we'll talk about it later, but it was, a, it was a massive ambitious thing. So it must have given you some sort of kind of post-show buzz like the olden days. Well, I think it was, funnily enough, it was the exact opposite. Um, oh, no. On, on, on Saturday, we all just kind of slumped. And it's, it's, it's how I imagine uh, a bride and groom must feel the day after a wedding, because there was so much planning. And then it kind of happened and we all just kind of collapsed. Um, this is a medium that a lot of us have not worked in before because it's essentially television. Yes, yes, it's on the internet, but it, it's TV. Uh, we had numerous kind of... Um, uh, cameras and numerous kind of microphones, numerous stage areas. So it was quite advanced and it took a lot of planning. So yeah, the day after we were kind of, we all felt like we'd been hit by a bus and we were all kind of texting each other going, is everyone right? It was a bit like, just leave me alone, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then we, of course, we all had to pick ourselves up and, and kind of start all over again because yeah. every show is different. Every show is going to be different. So we're, we're currently in the middle of planning episode two. Mm, can't wait I can't wait for it so I was just I was doing doing my research just before we started doing this this morning and you and Alice Fern went to Mountview together right but not only that you knew each other did you know each other before you went to Mountview we didn't know each other before we went to Mountview but we we have known each other since Mountview and yeah. it's yeah that's longer than I care to admit um <laughs> but you know what what's really funny about Alice Alice Fern Lara Denning uh, Emma Lindos, who's also in the show, and myself, we were all in the same year at Mount View together. And what's funny is we all tell the story. Alice kind of walked in on day one. And we were all forced to sing to each other on day one, which was a horrible, horrible thing to do, by the way. And Alice was very unassuming at the time, kind of wearing a kind of chunky knit cardigan all wrapped around herself. And she wore, she wore glasses at the time. And she got up and she sang and everyone just kind of went, OK. What did okay. she sing? This, what did she sing? This, she sang There Are Worse Things um, I Could Do from Greece. Mm. Um, and she she nailed it. 
she absolutely floored us all. And we all just kind of went, okay, that's where the benchmark is. And of course, at the other side of the kind of same, same in levels of talent, but other side of the spectrum, also in our year was Connie Fisher, who um, the you same. Had a crazy you, know, we all year. Had, you had a crazy year at Mount View. It's very strange. There are lots and lots of very, very, very talented people in our year who are all smashing it in the industry. They're doing so well. So what did Connie Fisher sing? I'm, I'm on all the gods now. I can't remember what Connie sang. Well, most importantly, I, I, what did you sing? Oh, I, I couldn't. I, I don't know why, but I've completely forgotten the answer to that question. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Better best forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you trained as a as an actor originally. So when did that switch to the other side of the table happened did you were you someone who kind of always wanted to be a director because it's it's really hard isn't it because if you're an actor there is I mean everyone has their own path and there are different routes into it for sure but you know there is some sort of path and some sort of framework to follow whereas to be a director there's no set ways there and people have all sorts of completely different paths to becoming a director absolutely yeah there's, there's so many different paths well it's quite interesting because now that I am a director, I can look back and rec and, and remember, I have very specific memories of putting shows on in my kitchen. That was a very normal thing for me to do as a child. And I'd write scripts and give them to people and make everyone play their part. Also, when I was in secondary school, I kind of directed a review show, but that was all in a bid so I could be in it. You know, I never really put two and two together that it's because I wanted to be a director. And then when I was in The Sound of Music with, with the wonderful Miss Connie Fisher, strangely went to Mount View, then ended up working together for two years. Um, I, real, I was sat in a note session with Jeremy Sams, who directed the show, and I was kind of gagged by his knowledge, by how he inspired actors, how he spoke to them, what a kind of extensive grasp he had on the show, the understanding of the show, the understanding of the characters. And I just thought, that's magic. And I realised that I wanted to be in that environment all the time, where we were talking about the piece and dissecting it and discussing it. Because anyone who knows me will tell you that I, I don't switch off, so I want to talk about stuff all the time, <laughs> you know, in terms of theatre and characters and shows and writing. So I had to find a way to, to be able to be in that environment all the time. And of course, the most obvious thing to do is to be a director because you're always in rehearsal. Mm. So, so that's kind of what I ended up doing. Mm. And it was amazing to read through that list. I've so realised there's so much stuff of yours that I've seen over the years and stuff like the Union and stuff at the arts. I remember Zootical and, and so many different, so many different productions. And I think that I just remember, I so clearly remember seeing the world goes round at the union and that was so that's this kind of show and it's it was so beautifully staged in the old space of the old union theater which which is no longer is moved now when you were a director when you're saying goodbye to these shows when you know you get to press night when people like me come in and then that's kind of the end of of the journey almost for you is it mm. is that hard to say goodbye and is there are there a couple of productions that you kind of at the back of your mind you're like oh i'd love to do that again i'd love to bring that one back Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you know, you're always wishing, I could keep working on them and keep going and keep going, you know. Um, so so you, 
it's very difficult. What I find difficult is to stop, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I keep wanting to perfect it and continue to get it right. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was very proud of The World Goes Round. I will say that that was an incredibly difficult show. It was a difficult process. Um, but but I, I, I'm really proud of what we, what we achieved. And also, I, I like to create a tone and uh, a vibe within theatre, you know what I mean? And, and, I, and I felt that I really created an atmosphere in that show. And I was really, really proud. And not just me, by the way, the writing, the performers, uh, you know, the company as a whole, but I was so proud of, of, the, of the atmosphere that that, that that production had. So thank mm. you for, for saying nice things about it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and then obviously you've, you've worked extensively at drama schools. And actually, I just I was thinking that's actually one thing that I haven't spoken enough on this podcast about in over the past few months is, is new grads and what a tough, mad time it is to be graduating when there mm. currently isn't much of an industry. But you included on Intermissions this wonderful segment, which was you and, and lots of other top industry people all sharing some words of, of wisdom and support for drama school graduates. Is it, it is, isn't it? For for students who are supposed to be graduating now, it must be really scary, weird, unusual time. And it is all of those things under normal circumstances anyway, but on, you know, right now it mm. must be crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I, I was actually working with drama schools when we went in, uh, dr with drama students, yeah. sorry, when we went to lockdown. And I, I, I'm not saying this in a patronizing way. I'm saying it in a loving, very kind of paternal way. But it is everything that you've been working towards. That third year show, those third year productions and getting an agent and doing your showcase, all of that. That has been what you've been working towards your entire adult life when you're, when you're a graduate, you know. And it means everything to you. When, when you, as you get older, you start to realize that life is disappointing and things don't happen and things do happen. But, but when you've been steadily in the education system and it's worked as it should do up until that point, to have those opportunities ripped away from you must be soul destroying. And whilst I was very able to compartmentalize that within the greater picture when I was doing the, the grad show, I really felt for, for the students, uh, you know, not only with the ones I was working with, but of course the ones all over, all over the country. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it must be a very, very, very confusing time and very, very scary. You know, when you've been in the industry a little while, you have a benchmark and you've got some credits and you've made a bit of a, a reputation, but when, when you haven't and the ability to do that has been completely taken away from you. It mm. must be so scary. And we wanted to just let them know that we're thinking about them because we really are, you know, mm. it's, mm. it's tough. It will bounce back and there will be opportunities. And thankfully, lots of people are recognising what a tough time it is for graduates. And there are kind of schemes being put in place and casting directors and agents have, you know, shared some supportive words on social media. So hopefully that we will see that these people will still get through and still find some success. Mm. Um, right, should we dive in? Yes, let's do it. So we've got lots to talk about. Coming up on today's episode, we are going to be talking all things intermissions with Kirk, um, as well as talking about all the latest news about the open air theatre, Frozen and David Hunter. <laughs> Thank you. 
So first up, we are going to talk about the theatre news. And we're going to get the sad story out of the way. So really gutting news this week. It was announced that the driving tour of Sixth Musical has been completely cancelled by organisers Live Nation Entertainment, who have they've literally just completely pulled their life from the drive-in venues and concerts. They had this whole series, all these... It wasn't just Six. They had lots of acts like Beverly Knight and other big names were supposed to be touring across their venues. Um, they've said this is all due to the latest developments regarding localised lockdowns. Um, and it, it just wouldn't be practical if certain cities have to go into lockdown. Six producer Kenny Wax said the news came completely out of the blue and that everyone at Six is devastated. I mean, this, I don't know what you thought, but this was such a glimmer of hope for me, a bit of a bit of light, the fact that we could see theatre in a different way and it was mm. something to look forward to. I'd booked to go a couple of times and I think it, I mean, you had Jodie Steele on intermissions, didn't you, from the UK tour cast of Six mm. and she was saying on the show how gutted she was it must be just so hard for everyone involved yeah well i messaged as soon as i heard i messaged jody um because jody and i are friends we've and we've worked together a couple of times and um and obviously she was coming on the show the next day so i messaged her and you know i mean first of all as you say that production for me that specifically the drive-in there's something so unbelievably joyous about six i i think six is one of the best musicals that's been written over the last kind of six seven eight years agreed yeah. it's so brilliant it's so clever uh it's very very funny so, so already i'm in love with it and um and th- it's got this kind of rags to riches story hasn't it this kind of it started you know i think in a hotel bar in edinburgh and it was spotted by andy barnes who i think then brought kenny max on board and it's just taken over the world and it was about to open broadway of course when they were the ones to figure out how they could make it work during the coronavirus pandemic we were all cheering them on. We were so happy for them. And I booked uh, immediately um, to go and see the show in Bolton with my sister. So I messaged Jodie and I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm so disappointed for you. And I said everything that I just said, that the show was such a beacon of, of hope for us all in the business and we were so happy. But um, Jodie was absolutely adamant that she'd still come on the show, bless her, and she wanted to talk about it. Mm. And But I, I mean, I would have understood if she'd have stayed at home and cried into a cup of tea but but no she, she was great but it's funny that you mentioned about the local lockdowns because one of the places so Bolton where I booked to go and see my sister is next door I mean it's a 10 minute drive from Blackburn and Darwin which is one of the places that's gone into lockdown my All sister right. lives in Darwin which oh. is she's now she's now in lockdown so when that happened I did kind of think hi huh, I wonder how they're going to make that work um and then they didn't. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's devastating. But I know that if any show can bounce back from this, it's six. And I just can't wait till that show opens on Broadway and it gets unbelievable reviews mm. and world domination will be theirs again. And I, by the way, Jodie and I having a few drinks on um, on Friday after intermissions, we, we also cast the movie version. Um, oh my gosh okay let's talk about that <laughs> who have you cast <laughs> well we've decided that um Nicki Minaj is Anne, Anne of Cleves yes obviously um and Jessie J made her way in there somewhere um <laughs> I think Jessie J was Anne Boleyn um yeah I mean it was it was a cracking cast 
<laughs> but yeah, I think Ariana Grande needs to be in there. You've got, oh my gosh, possibilities are endless. I think it, it will. I can imagine it having just, it, Broadway won't be the last step on that ladder. It will continue to climb and continue to climb. It will be back bigger, better than ever. I have no doubt about that. And because it's a smaller cast, you know, maybe it will be, well, the Daily Mail did imply a couple of weeks ago that Six could be one of the first shows to come back. Um, and actually, yeah. on that note, we've had another update this week from the government. Last week, we were told that theatres were given the green light for outdoor performances to recommence with social distancing in place. Um, And now the government have said that indoor performances can begin in August. So this is a a better announcement because the outdoor announcement, I think this is given about three days notice. (laughs) And then they also kind of hinted towards the fact that perhaps social distancing rules uh, for theatre could be relaxed as we move towards the end of the year, which is that's the kind of the key time for pantomime but obviously we're talking again about timescales it's still really tricky um and in its current form of you know whilst it's great yes indoor performances would happen again with social distancing in place it's just simply not financially viable or or physically practical in lots of these buildings for theatre to resume so it's, it's positive news it's in the right direction but we're still not quite there yet are we no, having having you know stayed in, in contact with a lot of my producer friends, a lot of uh, artistic directors, um, you know, shows need an awful lot of time to prepare. Um, you know, in terms of creating the marketing, advanced ticket sales. You know, no no one really wants to put on a show with 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 anything less than kind of three months' notice. I mean, I remember even when I worked on The Fringe, you know, all those years ago, them saying we, we must we must announce the show at least kind of eight, nine, ten weeks before we before it opens. Um, and that was in a venue that had 50 seats, you know. So larger theatres, they need they need time for advanced ticket sales and they need time to market the show properly. So really, you know, I know that um, uh, Michael Harrison has said, you know, the Palladium pantomime, that the cutoff point is, is the beginning of August. So they need to know need to have a very, very, very clear idea of what that, what and what they aren't allowed to do. Um, but, I, you know, I'm happy, I'm hopeful, but I'm also a, a realist, as anyone who knows me will tell you. And this hasn't gone away. And the thing that's, the thing that's kind of scaring me most is that people are acting like it's gone away. And my belief is that it hasn't gone away. We now just have to learn to live alongside it until a vaccine comes along. And that will involve, you know, lots and lots of precautions and being careful and being safe. And of course, avoiding large crowds. Um, and whilst no one in theatre wants to hear that, and I appreciate it's, it's unbelievably frustrating, and believe me, no one's more frustrated than I am. Um, but that, that, them's the facts, you know? And um, so I, do, I don't know how it will, how it will work out. Um, I'm imagining that if Panto goes ahead, it will be 50% of seats sold with distances between groups, you know, booking groups, everyone in masks. Uh, apparently, something amazing that I heard is that um, the virus can't live on brass. So all fittings in theatres will be changed to brass. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a way it can work, but um, it will look very different this year if Panto goes ahead. Yeah. I mean, I'm hopeful it does because, um, you know, I've got one booked in for the end of the year. But 
um i'd also be very understanding if it got pulled you know because yeah, yeah you know this is just what we're living through this is this is what it is yeah and like you say i think these glimmers of hope and everything that's coming out of the woodwork has to be taken with a pinch of salt who knows what will be happening in november december who nobody has any we don't know what will be happening in a couple of weeks we don't know where we're going to be in a few months it's absolutely it's completely unknown um and they've said that these these, these next steps for indoor theatre is all subject to the success of the pilots that they're currently doing at the Palladium and at a few other venues as well. Like you say, using the changing uh, the door handles and mm-hmm. and creating uh, temperature checks for casting and crew as they arrive. And yes, let's let's hope we do get some sort of progress. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens and where we go. Um, but we had some nice news this week following the cancellation of six this was welcome news that from the 14th of august the regent's park open air theater will produce a special concert staging of their production of tim rice and andrew lloyd webber's jesus christ superstar they got this together very quickly it's going to run for six weeks from friday the 14th of august and it's going to be a 90 minute version with no interval if you go on the website there's a whole page of information about how they're doing this and they're only running at 30 percent capacity which is crazy it must be such tight margins for them i guess really it's not gonna be a money maker it's gonna be an opportunity for them to create work for the freelancers and the performers um and also to give audiences a kind of treat so it's amazing they pull this together and i can't wait mm. to go and see that yeah absolutely i mean what i mean it's probably certainly my top three maybe even top two lloyd webber scores i just think it's absolutely amazing and of course being done in a in a kind of concert version kind of works because of course originally it was a concept album so yeah. you know it's it's really really all about the music and i think it's I think it's wonderful. I know I've heard a couple of little kind of murmurs that, you know, well, what's the point? It's a concert version. But we we in the business are very used to this idea of concert versions now. That's become a big kind of part of what we do at the moment. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's fantastic. And I mm. love, love, love that they've, um, that they've managed to kind of scrape something back after such a rubbish year. Mm. I mean, I was so excited about 101 Dalmatians. And it's great that it's been moved to next year. But um, I mean, I was really, really excited about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pleased for the part that they've, that they've managed to do something good on them. Mm, absolutely and I just love I love sitting in that theatre it feels it feels so special isn't it sitting in the outdoors and people got their blankets all around and I it's it always for me it's always a really re-inspiring venue to visit under normal circumstances so I can imagine it's going to be almost quite emotional to sit in that auditorium at, at 30% capacity and to and to see actual human beings performing for you on an actual stage. Can't wait, I can't wait. Um, Very quickly, in other news, we had a lovely casting announcement this week um, as the full company was confirmed for the West End production of Frozen, which will now open in spring 2021. So congratulations to everyone who has been holding on to that news for a while. Um, An outdoor theatre festival called the New Normal Festival will take place in August in Wandsworth for work which would have been showcased at this year's Edinburgh Fringe. The Theatre Cafe is set to reopen in August, which is excellent news. Um, David Hunter, I'm obsessed with this, David Hunter and Caroline Kay have written and filmed a new musical without ever meeting. (laughs) It's the most bizarre lockdown thing ever. 
Um, the show is called The Space Between. It's available online. And make sure you go and watch it because we'll be talking about it on next week's podcast. And finally, Jerry Mitchell is hosting an online cabaret called Raise You Up, which will see angels from global productions of Kinky Boots unite for the first time ever. The show takes place this Sunday and is going to be available for 24 hours. Okay, so now it's time for some show talk. And this week, we're just going to talk about intermissions. So I'll hand over to you in a set, Kurt, because obviously you're, you're the expert, you're the director. But it really is, the, I think the best way to describe it, it is like a musical theatre version of This Morning, which is hosted by Alice Bird. Because it, I, I opened, she was this amazing, amazing medley of, of a few songs. And then she had different guests. She was interviewing them. Uh, Andy Coxon was on there talking about his incredible deodorant called act um and then shan akko was on there performing her new single and then she duets with alice fern and it's it's such a clever concept so how did this whole thing come about because it's very ambitious yes it's very ambitious so um obviously as as we said at the beginning of the show alice and i are very good friends we have been for 17 18 years so we were we were chatting a lot during um, uh, the beginning of lockdown, and actually, when Alice did a leave the light on gig, we were chatting about her set list and what the kind of best thing to do is. And as that continued, um, I can't remember, but I, I have a screenshot because I just think it's hilarious. I have a screenshot of it somewhere, but at, at some point, I said, "Well, darling, I mean, it, it it might be that we end up doing some concerts in your back garden at some point." Um, and Alice kind of went, "Oh, I kind of love that." And um, and then we got chatting, and then and then I kind of didn't let it go. And Alice was like, "No, no, no, I love it, I love it." Um, and so then then we got Jake Wade on board, who is a brilliant videographer, a brilliant editor, absolutely knows what he's doing. And the three of us started kind of chatting about the legitimacy of it and the practicality of it. Like, could we actually do this? And then what we started talking about was we didn't really want it to be just Alice singing for an hour because that's been done and actually at this point in lockdown like if there's one thing we've seen it's people singing at you for an hour you know because there were so many concerts both in terms of leave the light on people just filling our timelines with performances archive footage of concerts that have happened you know it had been done so we wanted to do something different and we, it's funny, you say the musical version this morning, we were working on the musical version of the one show. Right. And that's what it became. And, you know, we just got more and more ambitious. And I thought, well, how, what are the different sections or the different um, moments that we could add into a show that would give it variety? And of course, the natural thing to do was to add in conversation, uh, interviews, questions, different guests and different cutaway sections. So we started to use the model of tried and tested brands, as you say, things like The One Show, things like This Morning, shows that do this on a weekly basis very, very successfully. And we created our own version <laughs> and we don't know who we think we are. Um, <laughs> but, um, but we did it and, you know, and then I think beyond that, what became really important to us was creating a space in which all facets 
of the musical theatre community could come together. So obviously within the team, there were performers and there were creatives, but then we wanted to extend that to both new graduates who were coming out into the industry, as we spoke about before. We wanted to give them a voice. We wanted to make them feel included. And we also wanted to shine a light on businesses that were being run and that were developed by people who are also in theatre or businesses that are somehow related to theatre. Because, of course, almost everyone in theatre at the moment has had to do something else and set up a second business. And so, um, of course, there's, there's varying different degrees of that. Andy Coxon, who runs ACT, um, him and Ed have been doing that for four years and um, it's incredibly successful. And so we immediately made them a partner. <laughs> we jumped on that. Um, but then there are businesses that we'll be shining a spotlight on throughout the series that are just, you know, uh, costume makers, theatre designers, actors who have to have a second business in order to survive throughout mm -hmm. this time. So so we're, we're shining a spotlight on them and giving them some exposure and hope hopefully sending uh people their way yeah. um in terms of customers so that was that was what we wanted to do we, we wanted to just open our arms to the theater community and say hey an hour every week come and join us in the garden and let's just have some fun oh my gosh and 100 percent, that's exactly what you've done as i sat there i turned on the television having no idea what to expect and then it opened and obviously alex did a brilliant performance and then we had multicam and then she was doing these interviews happening and it felt like this hub of of joy and fun and escapism and it just encapsulated everything about the industry which I think you know is why I love it because there are so many amazing people in this industry who like you say are doing other things who are creating incredible brands who are who do amazing businesses who have really creative brains um so to have this kind of one hub which brings together all the different elements of, of the industry that we love and, and gives us some sort of live performance live buzz something that is interactive that people can be a part of um and that is kind of keeping that that energy alive is is perfect it's such a brilliant idea and you pulled it off it was so it, i don't sound patronizing but it was so impressive it was so like you say it was so ambitious and it truly is lots of people are creating lots of different things at the moment and this is something that's really unique and really different i love that on a you know friday night we can sit down and escape to alice fern's garden for an hour it's the best thing ever. <laughs> what happens if it rains good question um <laughs> so we i mean we definitely have um options in place if it's a last minute thing um, if you know, if, if we thought it was going to be sunny and then all of a sudden it starts raining, then we will move the show aside. But we have, would you believe it, we have a very specific uh, set of rules regarding social distancing, uh, health and safety, and, and the coronavirus related kind of rules and relations. So if it's moved inside last minute, we would cancel a whole load of people, which would mean that it would be a smaller group of people. Um, and we've got I mean, I say we, I've written a very detailed list of health and safety regulations. Um, and then if, but if we had a little bit more notice, we do have a venue that we could, that we could move it to and, and we could do it inside. But we're really, really praying. I'm adamant. I'm just not acknowledging that rain is a possibility. Um, and I'm adamant that we're going to do them all outside. And I think we will. I think you we will. You had glorious sunshine for your first one. It was the perfect day for it. We were so lucky. 
And what are you doing during the show? Where are you positioned? Are you on a camera? Are you calling the shots? What's happening? What, what's your role? No, so, I mean, really, I'm just communicating with Alice, but from behind the camera. So the most important thing is, because of course, you know, which, so after I speak to you, I've got a meeting with Nick, musical director, and then I'm going to Alice's house tonight, and we will write the script for Friday's show tonight. Um, so, you know, with all the love in the world, it's a lot to remember mm-hmm. um, with only four or five days rehearsal. So I am there saying it's th- you're going over here now and this is what you're doing and look over there. And I'm just slightly kind of conducting it from behind, from behind the scenes. And then, of course, you know, uh, inevitably things might go wrong. So I'm there for Jake um, as well. So, so twice, I think, we had the, the mic for some reason faltered on on friday so i'm there running running around with handheld microphones you know giving them out and what you can't see is me furiously disinfecting them after every person has used them which is really boring but i also don't you know i i would just hate for anyone to get sick i, d- I don't think i could have that on my conscience no oh my so gosh. so we're just yeah so so we're just scrubbing everything with wipes all the time Gosh, it's full on, full out. What can people expect from the from the next few that are coming up? Can you give us any teasers? Yeah, I can, of course. So, so we're um, obviously we've got Sam Tutti, uh, who is uh, on this Friday's episode, uh, who I'm really excited to meet. I haven't met him yet. We've 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 spoken, but we've not met. So I'm really excited to meet him. Um, there's a rich, there's some really really good music uh, in in this Friday's episode. We're also going to be uh, putting the spotlight on some more theatre-based brands. Um, and then the week after that is Rob Houchin, and that's going to be a very good week. That's all I can say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts being planned. Um, and, in fact, Nick Nick and I had a conversation about the duet. So Nick is the musical director. We had a conversation He's about amazing. what duet Alice and Rob are going to sing. And um, and we're both very very excited for that. So yeah, I would that that's going to be a good show. But obviously, I think I think Friday is going to be great as well because because Sam, I saw his leave the light on, and he is unbelievably charismatic. So I'm looking forward to him being there. I can't wait. So people need to go. It's intermissionslive.com, and it's that's on correct. Fridays at seven p.m. But then I believe if you can't watch it live, it's still available for forty eight hours. Is that is that right? Yes. So if you buy a ticket for that show, you can watch it anytime within the 48 hours. But I think, I think if you buy the bundle, which is all full shows, I think you can watch them whenever you like. I think, but don't quote me. <laughs> Try it, people, but don't, don't come for Kirk if it doesn't work. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, thank you so much for doing this today with me. You've been a natural. You're the best co-host ever. Not at all. I just love talk. I love the sound of my own voice. What can I say? <laughs> well, I hope that when this is over, we're allowed to be back in a studio again, that you can come and do it in real life and we can have a proper natter over a cup of tea. I'd love that. That would be so much fun. Yes, please. Um, where can people find you on social media? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. That's the most frightened you've been throughout this whole interview. That's, it's because, I mean... Anyone who goes on my social media will see that all I do, the only thing I use it for is for work. 
Um, but I think it's Jameson tweets. Yeah, I think. It... Are you checking for me now? I'm checking. Yeah. Are you not? Are you not on Instagram? I am, and I've no idea what my. I just. It's awful, isn't it? But I just don't care. Yeah, it's Jameson tweets on Twitter. I'm useless. Need someone to look after me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kirk. Right, everyone needs to get those tickets for the next few weeks and and see what happens on intermissions. And then when you make the musical version of Loose Women, I want to be on it. That's what I want to do. Okay, okay. I'm game. I'm game. I'd be Colin <laughs> Nolan sat there every week <laughs> ready to say my piece. Let's get you a bigger wig. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the West End Frame Show. Make sure you subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be amazing if you could leave a little Apple podcast rating and review. Um, our interviews podcast in the frame continues this Friday. Um, I'm recording lots of episodes this week, so stay tuned for all of them. And um, we always love hearing from you. So make sure you follow West End Frame on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I'll be back next week for another Stagey Catch Up.